Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Believe in Duke podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman, the Duke beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer, uh, joined by co-host Sheldon Williams. Sheldon, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing better now, better. It was kind of solemn for a little bit, and I almost boycotted the national championship um, until I started getting updates towards the middle part when Ken's kind of made the comeback. I was like, oh. Let me go ahead and watch this. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? I can sleep a little bit better now knowing the outcome of the championship game. <laughs> yes, a very tough weekend in New Orleans for Duke fans. Uh, no question about it. It did ease up a little bit Monday night, I think. Uh, by the way, I need to mention that our Believe in Duke podcast is sponsored by Bet Online. They have they've been a sponsor of our podcast all season long. We really appreciate the good folks at Bet Online. Um, yes. Uh, uh, Duke did make the final four. They played Carolina. The game outcome did not come the way Duke fans wanted, obviously, a team and anybody else. Coach K's career came to an end, 81 to 77 loss to UNC uh, in the national semifinal at the Superdome. Um, and then uh, Monday night, Carolina, of course, had a 15 point lead. Uh, Kansas came roaring back and ended up winning that game. Uh, and so 72 69. So that was the, not to get too far off here, that was the largest comeback by a team at halftime in championship game history. Nobody had been, had trailed 15 points at halftime and right. come back at one. So let's give all props to the Jayhawks, right? They Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, just hearing about it in the first half, like I said, I was boycotting a little bit. Yeah. Um, just hearing about it in the first half. Um, I was like, man, they're going to be rolling into a national championship. How yeah. crazy is this? And kind of rewind a little bit or go back a little bit. The Duke and Carolina game, I had a, a couple bones that I had to pick a little bit because it reminded me of the 2004 when we were in Final Four and all of our bigs fouled out of that yes. game. Yes. It reminded me of those <clears throat> of, the, of that time. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, things have to change. They have to change. Mark goes up and uh, picks up two quick fouls. He sits for the whole um, first half, uh, rest of the first half. And then Theo comes in, and he picks up four fouls in the first half. Granted, maybe two of those were very questionable, especially the last one, when a dude, uh, I think Manic threw uh, yeah. the hook. I thought that was very questionable. You can sit there and say his – his arm was kind of wrapped around him a little bit. I can see that a little, how you can make that call. But I feel like the, the hook to the, the face or wherever area was, was first before the hand wrap. And then all of a sudden, we now with no no bigs. Yeah. Paolo comes in as the, the big, mm-hmm. and we surprisingly start doing a little, bit, a, little, a little well. I mean, we had a little bit of a run. Right. And, I'm thinking to myself, like, you know what? If we just can make it to halftime and keep this lead or still be in the game, we'll get marked back and things will be different. And all of a sudden, we come out in the second half, we go on a, a quick run. I thought, okay, there we go, there we go. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it stopped. And Carolina went on like a 11-0 run. Yes. I'm like, 
what is going on? And I understand it's the game, it's a game of runs. And I understand that. So they we made our run first, then they made their run, and then we kind of go back and forth and back and forth. And then not to kind of go through the whole game, but it's on my mind right now. But it's okay. I think that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know I've been around professional a long time and even uh, you know, playing and coaching, but I could have sworn that that should have been a continuation on Trevor Kills where he was driving to the basket, he takes a dribble, gets fouled mm-hmm. in the active motion, and he's going up. And for some reason, that was not called. I'm thinking to myself, that changed the game right there. And I didn't see a way to kind of overcome that part. And they didn't even, I don't know if they even looked at it, but it, to me, I thought it was a continuation where he didn't dribble the ball, he didn't make another basketball move, he went up for a layup, and right. score the layup. And I'm thinking to myself, we had a chance to tie the game, get back on defense, and try to get a stop and see if we can get a score at the end. And right. That, that right there, to me, just changed everything. That changed everything. And then, um, of course, Caleb Love made that incredible shot with 24 seconds to put him up by four. That was a huge shot. I mean, I mean that was a dagger. Yeah. Uh, Ballsy uh, shot and everything, too. I mean, yeah. Mark, had, Mark had put his Mark hand was up. right there. And yeah. Right there. I mean, that's, that's a ballsy shot. I mean, yeah. But great, you're right. Those Great shot. Those calls, yes. Uh, and one thing I was, you know, talking to people after the game about was, you know, wh- that's one thing about the NCAA tournament with officials is that you get officials from different conferences that haven't seen your guys play and they don't know, they don't know your moves. They don't know the way you do things. So what you're saying about like with Manic and Theo officials that had called the three, two previous games or seen them play all year would know the kind of moves they make and things they do. And maybe they wouldn't anticipate a call. Maybe they wouldn't anticipate a foul call. Like, like what happened there, right? Maybe they think they, they'd see it differently because they know, oh, yeah, this guy does this, this guy does that. Same thing with um, with Keels on that, the and one, which should have been, they called, right, it, right. called it on the floor. And that official wasn't an ACC official. He's, you know, they had officials from different conferences. And he may have thought, well, he wasn't going to shoot. He was going to stop. Or, but, they, but Trevor always makes that same move. And so an official that sees that would know that. And I guess it's kind of like what you're talking about the NBA. Like the officials, you get the same officials, you know, they were, they call the NBA all season long, right? They always call the NBA guys. So they know what moves different guys make and they they can see, Oh yeah, that's a move he makes. That's going to be a continuation. Right. So I don't know. That's just one of those unfortunate things about NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think about it like that. Um, I just thought since he didn't put the ball back on the ground or he didn't make any kind of other non-basketball move, it Mm -hmm. should have been a continuation. And granted, I got a little bit more invested into this because I'm more of <laughs> a fan. But yeah. even with that being said, I mean, I just thought that was just a no-brainer. Like, you know, it's an and one. We've gone to the line, and now we got to sit and make a free throw to tie the game up. That's right. my whole mindset and everything. Right. But, you know, um, it was a, a lot of adversities throughout the whole game with, you know, foul trouble and us going through streaks where we'll be going on a the run. They can't hit a shot, couldn't yeah. get a stop. Then we come back and fight our way through that and couldn't get a rebound sometimes. I mean, Baycott freaking had 20 rebounds. And yeah. I don't like to I don't like to say, you know, a player being hurt and everything. I was right. like, I hope I, I tweeted out, I was like, I hope you're not hurt, but just stay out a little bit longer. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like, you know, I hope you're not hurt, but stay out a little bit longer. I mean, my man had 20 rebounds against us, and I mean he he was dominant against the you know, the, the bigs on our side for the, right. for the rebound and things like right. that. I'm like, we didn't have anybody to kind of crack in on the weak side, try to take his um, body out of the paint where he can make it hard for him to try to get, you know, these rebounds. And 
when he underneath the basket and then manic way he was shooting in front of people like they weren't even there. I yeah. mean, and then they all of a sudden they got that confidence going and that they started rolling. I'm like, man, you can see the the, mo- the momentum changing. And yes. that's the thing that I was like, all right, we gotta make a stop. We gotta make a stop. I'm like, Paulo, you know, make it, you know, make a big play, make a big play, and you know, things like that. And this unfortunately yeah. didn't work out that way. Right. Tough ending, tough ending Coach K's career. I mean, there's no way around it. Um, and to the same team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The home game loss and then that one. Uh, and, and, and of all teams, it's Carolina. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. But uh, so we move on. Uh, yeah, Carolina lost to Kansas in the championship game. So uh, we head into the offseason now. Um, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that here in a minute. But I do want to uh, say another word about Bet Online, our our uh, sponsor. Uh, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Today's opening day as we tape this, uh, so good, you know, get baseball going here uh, now that basketball's over. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. Bet online where the game starts. Speaking of the Masters, of course, Tiger Woods is playing. I know that we're, we're talking about yeah. Duke here, but how about that? Tiger Woods is coming back and playing. Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm not a big golfer um, outside of putt putt and top golf. Yeah. But <laughs> the fact that he's able to actually come back and play, um, I'm. I'm excited to, to see bits and pieces. Like I said, I'm not a big golfer, so I wouldn't right. watch the whole thing. But yeah. just to see somebody overcome all the things he's overcome in his whole career. I mean, the guy won a freaking tournament on a torn ACL. You know, yeah. you know how hard it is yeah. <laughs> on a torn ACL? Like you walking all that time, you twisting and turning on a and, torn ACL. And he's not riding the cart. There's no yeah, cart. Yeah, he's walking. Yeah. How crazy is that? And right. then they say they said um they said um the masters is one of the hardest courses because there's a lot of hills and things like that. You're walking up and down the hills, and right. he already has back issues, knee issues, ankle issues, and you know, trying to play. It's it's amazing to see that he's actually out there on the on the golf course, you know, doing these things. Hopefully he's able to last the whole time. Yeah. Uh there's a chance that he may not I heard that he was limping already. Yeah. Um and you know, it just started. So I'm not sure if that's normal his normal walk now or what's I haven't seen him in the limelight in a while. So it's going to be interesting to see how he actually does this. Cause you don't want to see a great, especially considered one of the greatest, they're going to play the sport. Mm-hmm. not be able to go out on his terms, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's got a rod in his leg from that car accident. So right, right. anyway, so yeah, if you're off for a second there, it's okay to talk about the goat. He's the goat of golf, <laughs> right? Tom right, Brady's right. the goat of football and right. Coach K is the goat of coaching. So we can segue back into Duke. Segue back. Yeah, I, I, did, <laughs> I did see that they try to sit there and, you know, make it seem like Coach K going to pull a Tom Brady and come back again for another year. But he kind of nixed that today. He did. He's not going to do that. He said, "I, you know, something about uh, I'm glad to be in the same room or be mentioned along with Tom Brady, but he's got skills that are still at a high level. I'm done with coaching. He said, and I'm done with coaching. He's ready to be a, uh, uh, live the next, the next part of his life. Um, he's going to do a lot of things at Duke. Uh, I know he and Mickey are going to do some traveling. So he's certainly earned, you know, this kind of a break. So now the John Shire era has begun, right? He Officially. began 
officially, officially uh, yeah. after the game when they lost, he became the officially became the head coach. So now we're going to see what he's got going. He's got a great recruiting class coming in. We've talked about that, uh, but just to go over it again, you know, three top ten players in the class, including Derek Whitehead, who's the was the MVP of the McDonald's game, six six uh, swing guard yeah. kind of thing, and yeah. uh, uh, Derek Lively. He's a seven one center and the number one rated player in the class. And then a 6'11 big guy named Kyle Filipowski from up in, um, he goes to school in Boston, but he's from the New York City area. He played for Andy Borman with the New York Rins uh, in uh, AAU play there. So, um, yeah, so he, that gives him three top 10 guys. uh, And then they have three other guys coming in. Mark Mitchell, a 6'8 forward. uh, Jaden Shutt, who's a a shooting guard from Illinois, uh, uh, from the uh, Chicago area. So John Shire's backyard. And Coach K's backyard, right? Chicago always got guys from Chicago coming in. Yeah. Uh, yep, so anyway, yep. they've got they've got a great class coming, number one rated class in the country. He's off to a great start. He's trying to add to it. He's, now he's building on 2023. Uh, he's got three guys already committed for that. They're hoping to get a couple more this week. Uh, and that's that's going to be a number one rated class. It looks like so. It's hard to imagine anybody getting off to a better start uh, than John Shire is in, the, in this job. He's doing about all he can do. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, um, the way things have been set up for him, you know, he has a good chance to get that early monkey off his back, you know, so to speak. You know, it'll be a lot easier with a, a better team, which he has. Like you said, uh, he has three or four guys that are four or five-star recruits um, that's coming in on play for him right away. So it's pretty cool to actually see him kind of taking that position right away. Uh, my My... My thing is, it's going to be very interesting to watch him, you know, assert his own niches on the game of, and also the program of Duke basketball. And I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be hard because it's, it's big shoes to follow. So it's got to be hard. That's, that's not even a question. Um, it's just that watching John Shire the last few years and how he was been able, been able to actually recruit how he's been able to actually command respect from the players. And on top of that, he's an intelligent guy. So he knows he has a high basketball IQ. So I, not only that, I think it's a good pick for, you know, Coach K to, you know, release or relinquish the reins of the Duke, you know, basketball program to John Shire. I think he will excel just because he has Duke best at heart. So I think that's going to be a pretty good for us. I mean, we already have the top five recruiting class for this year and next year, and yeah. going to be adding on, you know, possibly adding on to that as well. So right, right, yeah, he could couldn't be off to a better start. And uh, now he's starting to put together his staff, which is going to be important. He, I mean, this let's face it, John's never been a head coach, right? So, uh, in fact, he was uh, last Friday in, in uh, New Orleans. He sat down with myself and a couple other reporters. Uh, uh, to talk about things that, uh, for for after the season, you know, we, after the Duke game, whenever Duke season was over, we decided we'd run the stories in. And he talked about how he'd never hired anybody before, <laughs> you know, except for like an agent, right? But I mean, right, like for right. a coaching job, and that's how you know this is all new to him. And so, uh, but he's already gone about and uh, lined up Mike Scroggy, uh, who you know, right from from your playing days, he was right, on the right. staff then. Uh, he's he was the head coach at Elon. He's agreed to come right. back to Duke and as a special assistant to, uh, to, to, to uh, the staff, to John Shire and uh, help that gives him somebody with some, some real experience. Who's been a head coach. Uh, he's coached at, he was an assistant for Johnny Dawkins at Stanford for eight years. He was at 
with Chris Holtman at Butler for a year, Ohio State for a couple of years before he came back to Elon to be a head coach for the last three. And of course, he was at Duke for nine or 10 years uh, in the uh, last decade, I guess, 20, right, right. 99 so, to 2008. So, so Shaggy's been around for a while. So, yeah, <laughs> to, put, to, put, to put it bluntly and everything. But yeah, Shaggy's yeah. been around for a while. He's been able to study underneath uh, a few great guys. I mean, uh, he has Indiana ties as well as Duke ties. So yeah. that's where that, that Butler thing came in and play. Going yeah. out to Sanford, being out in the Pac-12, and then uh, coming out to um, Elon and, you know, kind of get closer to, I guess, to Duke. And then yeah. Uh, he yeah. full, full circle came back to, uh, to Duke and everything. So it's pretty cool to kind of watch his story. I, I didn't think that he's going to come in as a special assistant. Um, that that was still kind of surprising to me. Yeah, but it is. The fact, yeah, but the fact that, uh, you know, Duke's keeping things in-house is pretty cool to actually see, you know, the progression of how guys go to Duke, leave Duke, and come back, and it's still a big part of who they are and where they want to go. Yeah, exactly. He's part of the, he's part of the family for sure. Uh, in the meantime, though, another member of the family has decided to, to step out of the Duke family and go to Louisville, Nolan Smith. Uh, Louisville hasn't announced it, of course, yet. They're finalizing everything, but um, he's going to go back to Kenny Payne's staff as uh, associate head coach, which is a, a big move for Nolan. He was only an assistant coach here for one year, uh, but he sure impressed a lot of people along the way. And he's been a great, he's been a great Blue Devil. And uh, you know, my understanding totally is this was, you know, his father, of course, played at Louisville. Uh, Derek Smith, uh, his late father who passed away at the age of 34 in 1996. I mean, Nolan was just a little guy when that happened, when his dad had his heart attack. And uh, the new coach at Louisville, Kenny Payne, uh, crossed, they crossed paths with Nolan's dad at Louisville for one year in the 80s. They were teammates for one year. So they, they knew each other very well. Um, so this is, you know, of course, Nolan has always been close to the Louisville family because of his father playing on the 86 on the 1980 national championship team and then the 1982 final four team. So um, I th- believe Nolan's sister graduated from Louisville. His mom graduated from Louisville. So this is really a move um, that's really personal to him. And as I mentioned on Twitter, it's kind of like Roy Williams with Kansas and Carolina. It's, it, he loves both institutions. It's not immoral to be in love with two. That's Roy saying it's not immoral to love two institutions. So <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I totally get it. I mean, uh, for yeah. Nolan to go back. I mean, essentially, I mean, it's back to where his family kind of started, you know, with, you know, his uh, mom and his dad, you know, meeting at Louisville, being together at Louisville, uh, getting married. He goes off and uh, starts playing professional. Unfortunately, he's not able to be with here with us today. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Nolan's been keeping those ties with that side of the program and that family as well. So, I mean, even when they go back for Duke, I see on Twitter or Instagram where he's taking pictures with people, either with his dad's stuff or um, I think somebody even drew a picture of his dad and gave it to him, you know, things like that. So they they always had love for him. So it's not surprising that he's taking that move. I mean, one, he's going up because he's a social head coach. And then two, he's going back to, you know, like I said before, where his family kind of started. So it's going to be hard to lose a person that comes from the, you know, your, your family, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it's, you know, with Nolan, he's being quote unquote, you know, the people's champ, people yeah. love being around him. He has so much effect on a lot of people around Durham and Duke as well for, you know, things he did outside of the program, whether it be 
foundation stuff, charity stuff, you know, those type things. He had a lot of things that he was doing outside of Duke Brown program. So that yeah. right there would be missed. I mean, he's he's a, a great guy, and I wish him nothing but the best going out to the Louisville. Yeah, he's going to have a, a, a great future. He already has a great present, <laughs> but he's going right, to have a bright right, future right. in coaching, and uh, this is the first of – you know, he'll, he'll, he'll move up the ladder and be a head coach at some point, I think in his career, he's, uh, he's just going to be 34 this summer. So he's got a long, you know, got some experience to get there, but, and he and Shire were teammates, you know, that national championship team. So I know they're close. And I think some people were, there was some speculation that there was some kind of rift between them. I've not heard anything about that. I think this is clearly, you know, because of uh, uh, Nolan needing uh, again, he's, he's a Louisville native. And his dad is buried in Louisville. And I know whenever he goes back there, he does his grave and everything like that. So um, that's a good move for him. So Duke's got to hire another assistant. Um, you know, Emil Jefferson, I think, is in line to move up to be one of those assistant jobs, right? Emil's um, done a lot of things this year. Um, he got to do things that you normally don't do uh, in that role. He was in that uh, director of uh, player development role where you normally don't work on the court, but he, um, he got to uh, got to do some on court coaching because Chris Carwell uh, had knee replacement surgery in the office in, in, during the season. Remember back in December, and in right, right. the NCAA allowed Duke to have a waiver so that Emil could fill in. There were some games when Carwell wasn't even on the bench uh, right after the surgery, so Emil became an assistant for that those jobs. And then even through the season, while Carwell was recovering from his knee replacement, there are times when Carwell's doctor would tell him you know, you can't be on the court doing things with players. You know, you need to be on the sidelines or sitting or whatever because your knee can't handle that yet. And so in these situations, the NCAA allowed Emil to step in and take those, take that role. So he comes in with, a, if, if he does move up, which is expected, he comes in with a little more experience than the way normally you would have for being in that job. So, and he's young. I mean, he's just, his playing career has ended what last year, right? So, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean Technically, he should be still playing. Um, question is, I'm, I don't know if he's more more willing to do, I guess, on-court stuff because I'm sure he's still got a lot of basketball in him. Mm-hmm. And for him to be on the court with the guys and still be able to play, it might be kind of therapeutic for him because he gave up playing so you know, so early to yeah. come coaching and be able to be on the court and still kind of get that feel of, you know what, I could still do this if I wanted to, and it's more I guess ease, you know, on his mind type thing because he he went from <laughs> playing to coaching just like that. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, any, any like in between transition time and that stuff. So it's pretty it's pretty cool to see that uh, he was able to do that and be able to get a little bit of experience, not only. Uh, on the court, I'm sure he got stuff with, you know, um, film while Car- Carrawell was out and everything, kind of learned how to cut up film, how to present film, how to sit here and try to get uh, players to understand what exactly he's looking for, what exactly their program's looking for, that type of thing. So stuff that you kind of use that you usually don't use that the first year, you kind of sit and kind of watch and listen to a lot of different things and all oh, his technique and his technique and his technique and then kind of forge your own mm-hmm. uh, in the making but mm-hmm. he was able to do that right away so kind of like trial by fire but it's yeah. pretty cool to actually be you know ahead at this point in the game yeah from everything i heard you know he did great he did a great job at it so um he he's ready to go and yeah i mean you you saw emil 
you know, he, he played in the G League for a while. He, he played, he was in the, in the NBA for a while too. You know, he got some, uh, some experience up there and uh, yeah, I'm sure he, you know, let's face it. He'd rather be still playing, <laughs> but, but he's, yeah, yeah. you know, how that goes when you're, when your career is coming to an end, you'd rather, sometimes you want to, you want to keep going, but, uh, but he's, he's, he's obviously got a, got a big uh, future ahead of him in coaching as well. So That'll take care of one thing. Now the other job, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, they they got to they got to see. We'll see maybe if they go outside the brotherhood. You know, I mean that's unusual. It doesn't happen at Duke. Um, right, right, right. Uh, very often. Uh, in fact, yeah. um, <laughs> right. There's there's a lot of names out there of people that are that are coaching at other schools. Um, will, would they leave and come back, or would would you know John Shire seek somebody of, with a different a different voice, a different outlook? Maybe I don't know. Um, I do know that that John uh, last Friday when we were talking said he's not going to hesitate to call coach K and say, can you come to practice and watch? Cause I'm curious, I'm curious about this or that. And uh, you know, coach K will do it, but John says he knows that coach K won't call him, that he'll give him his space. And then it's going to be more John calling coach K and saying, Hey, can I run this past you? Can you come watch this? Can you look at this piece of film maybe so I can see what's going on. But uh so Coach K will have a role. I mean, right? I think we always knew that he won't. It's going to be hard to just go cold turkey, not coach at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the way Coach K is, I don't think he's going to be that helicopter parent, you know, right. that type thing. I don't think that's in that's in his nature. I mean, I'm watching uh, Winning Time right now. We're on HBO Max. Yeah, good yeah. Show, good, good show, by the way. We yes. got uh, Jerry West. He's kind of being a helicopter a little bit because he's trying to see how this new guy McKinney, you know, coach, how he's going to coach the new team and things like that. So he's kind of being around. I don't think Coach K is going to be like that, where he's at every practice or trying to be at every meeting. You know how I mean, if you watch the show, he's kind of like eavesdropping, trying to you know hear the conversation. Yeah, and yeah, like that's that. not him. Yeah, that's not how Coach K is going to be. I think he's going to be a guy that literally will speak when he needs to speak. But if you reach out to him, he'll give you all the information, all the tools that you need to get wherever it is that you're asking of him. But he's going to sit back and watch and let you be you. I mean, just kind of how he was coaching. Like, hey, this is how I coach. I'm going to try to get this out of you. But outside of that, it's up to you. Who are you going to be? And then go from there. Isn't that good? Like, I guess that's one of the secrets to his success. He would he would kind of tell you what needs to be done and like, and, and bring you to that point. But then it's like, okay, you've got to buy in here. You've got to bring something to the table too. You've got to do the work that, that needs to be done that we, that we think needs to be done. That'll get you there. And then yeah, exactly, exactly. if you right. do it right. Yeah. He can't do it for you. Like he can show you what to do, but he can't do it for you. You know, that type thing. I mean, shoot, even when I was in school, um, I, I still remember the story where, I mean, at the time he had a, uh, I think it was either two hip or two knee replacements. What, what, what just happened? He had something like that just happened. And yeah. uh, we had a game where it was a lot of 50-50 balls, 50-50 balls, meaning that, you know, it could be either team's chance to get the ball, you know. Mm-hmm. And he rolled the ball on the ground and he jumped on the on the ball. And we like, should we help him up? Like, <laughs> like, like right. he did just have surgery not too long ago. Like, you know, that type thing. And like, for a guy to be that age and still to be, you know, be that energetic at 18 and 19, 20, 21 years old, you had no excuse. Like you have a guy that's showing you what to do, how to do it, 
But at the end of the day, it's up to you to do it. And he can't want it more than you want it yourself. Right. Exactly. That's amazing. That's uh, I've heard that story before. It's an amazing story <laughs> of all the amazing <laughs> coach K stories that one, like after having surgery and, and that's like 10 years after he'd been out with his back surgery Remember and missed that. Right, season. Right, right. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. So anyway, well, um, we're, we're going to have a lot of, it's going to be exciting off season for Duke. Um, let's face it. This was a, a team that made the final four. They've come, they accomplished, they won the ACC regular season. There's going to be two new banners up in Cameron. Uh, so that makes it, you know, I know the ending obviously wasn't what anybody at Duke wanted, but, uh, we look at the season as a whole 32 and seven and, uh, two new banners going up in camera. It's been a great year. Um, we appreciate everybody listening to us throughout the season. Hope that we added some insight to your, uh, to your Duke fandom. And we're going to continue this in the off season. Of course, uh, we're going to keep uh, talking about, uh, you know, the coaching changes that may be coming, uh, coaching updates, new, new members to the staff, um, recruiting as it goes through. John Shires that they've already put the schedule together for next year. It's not hundred percent finalized. So, but we do know they're going to play Kansas, the national champion, reigning national champion, Kansas. That's, that's who Duke plays in the champions classic on November the 15th in Indianapolis. Uh, that won't be the season opener because uh, it was supposed to be November the 8th. They moved it back a week because the, the midterm elections are that night. It's going to be a lot of attention uh, based on that, on the, on the congressional and, uh, uh, you know, House and Senate and all those races. Right, so right. Uh, they're going to open the season, obviously, against a couple other teams before they go to India and play Kansas. But anyway, it, it never stops. Then Duke, they're going to play in Portland in the in the uh, the PK eighty or PK eighty five now, the Phil Knight Invitational uh, at Thanksgiving. So anyway, lots to talk about in the off season as that comes together. Uh, we hope people will join us here on the Believe in Duke podcast, uh, sponsored by Bet Online, uh, uh, Sheldon. Uh, just, I guess, what are your final thoughts on the season here before we clear, clear out this episode and go into our off season mode? Right. I mean, uh, I think it was a good year for us. Uh, obviously, like you said, it wasn't the way we wanted it to end, but at the end of the day, we still went to the final four. We still won ACC. Uh, like you said, we 30, uh, 32 and, uh, and seven, mm-hmm. we had a great year for our, our, our team, um, for us to come back next year and try to do all the game. I mean, any team that's, that's playing any coach is playing. I mean, it's coaching right now. We're willing to have a season like we just had. We have higher expectations than a lot of other programs. So mm-hmm. it doesn't always seem to be where we wanted it to be. But at the end of the day, we still had a really good year. We still had a really fun season. Uh, we saw a lot of the, the ups and downs and how these kids kind of over, uh, overcame a little bit of adversity uh, throughout the year, whether it be injuries or um, not playing well, being benched and coming back and, you know, th- these type of things, as well as Coach K's last year. So it was a great year for us uh, um, in that aspect. Um, I'm looking forward to the reign of now John Shire, uh, his old uh, career and everything. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how things are a little bit different from what we saw the last, well, I didn't see the last 42 years, but <laughs> the last, <laughs> you know, all the- I know what you mean. Right, right, right. Uh, Coach K's- uh, uh, era and things like that but um it's gonna be interesting to see how that you know compares i mean because he's gonna get comparison all the time oh yeah coach k all the time so but for for a guy like john shire he has to have you know thick skin and i think he's ready for it i mean coach k wouldn't give him their keys if he wasn't so that's exactly right yeah. <laughs> so good deal well listen uh thanks everybody again for listening this week and we'll uh we'll be back soon with another episode Uh, of the Believe in Duke podcast sponsored by Bet Online. I'm Steve Wiseman with Sheldon Williams. Thanks, everybody. All right. Have a good one.
Yep. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.